This is the Data Download, your guide to upping your game when it comes to managing and accessing data in your organization. For Calibra, I'm your host, Jay Miller. Doing this show, as you know, I get to chat with a lot of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, and I'm always wondering in each one of those, you know, how does data governance work? Specifically this week, I'm kind of chewing on how does data governance work in higher education? What are they using data for exactly? And how are they approaching all this? Obviously, this is not an area that I'm super familiar with, but I am pretty curious. So I thought we'd go right to the source and find out more. My name is Alice Fleck, and I'm the Enterprise Data Governance Manager at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, also called UNCG. I have been at UNCG for 20 years, going on 21. Before my current position, I worked in institutional research for about eight years as a data analyst. And then I've, I've moved in the last two years into metadata management and data governance. In recent years, I completed my master's degree in library and information science in the spring of 2022 and saw a lot of parallels between what I was learning in that program and what I was doing in institutional research. And that really geared me up for finding opportunities in metadata management and that kind of thing. And I learned, I learned a lot about it and an opportunity came up and I grabbed it. That's a pretty fascinating journey that you just described there. So you lead these data governance committees across UNC Greensboro. And tell me more about what that, what does that mean? For a mid-sized institution, UNCG has got a ridiculous amount of data. Our landscape is huge. We have a, a main source system, but then we probably have 80 to 100, maybe more, third-party systems that connect to that and pass data back and forth as we do that. So it's important to us to make sure that we're when we're discussing changes to our data, that we're able to get the perspective and address um, impact concerns across a really broad swath of the university community and the people who use data. So the two that I manage regularly are big committees. They have about 20, 25 people apiece. The conversations have been good. We've uncovered some impact issues that, you know, we might not have uncovered if we weren't having conversations with the people that we're having conversations with. So to me, the size of the committee, while it seems a little bit unwieldy in the face of what best practices indicate for data governance committees, it really works for us. That's amazing. The shocked look on my face is not, <laughs> is that you, you have that many people rallied around the, the notion of data governance and making sure that you're, you're getting data right. And it, it really shows how UNC Greensboro is taking data very, very seriously. The quality of it, the understanding of it, et, et cetera, et cetera. What is the makeup of these committees that you've got? Are they data governance pros? Like, is that all they do, these 50 people? or No, no, no. This is the business. These are the folks who run the university. We have a three-tier committee. So the top of our framework is our executive steering committee. And that is made up of our vice chancellors and our provost. And their main focus for that committee is to steer our technology use and development across campus uh, and to make sure that what decisions are being made in ITS about, about our technologies are in alignment with what the business side needs. But they are operating at a very high, very strategic planning sort of level. They do not want to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> they just want to know that sausage is getting made. So they provide oversight to the committee and we communicate with them about 
the decisions that we're making. But generally speaking, they don't want to hear from us. Okay. <laughs> you know, they, they want us to make decisions and to, and to make the data work. I provide them with updates and they're okay with that. That's empowerment, I guess, uh, right? Well, yes. Um, and that's a big part of data <laughs> governance is empowering each, each level to do the things that they are here to do. So the middle level of the framework is our upper level administrators. So there are associate vice chancellor, associate vice provost, assistant vice chancellor, assistant vice provost. I call them the AVC, AVP level. And they're the folks who run the major areas of campus. Their job is strategic planning for data. So they have to understand what our executive steering committee is doing in terms of the high-level strategy, and then they have to apply that to our data management. And so they have to determine what are our goals and how are we going to change and improve how we handle and understand our data across the university. And it's not their job to know the data. They know the business. They use the data. They use the information that the data provides for them. They know how it all needs to fall out. And so they provide us with a broad framework to work in. And then the real workhorse committee of the framework is my data stewards group. And these are a group of people that in our previous iterations of data governance, we really didn't tap into for their knowledge. But these people, they're the ones that the AVC, AVP level folks go to with their data questions. They're the ones who provide the reports. They're the ones who fix the errors. They understand the data. They know it. Their hands are on the keyboard all day long. If you have a question you need answered, you go to these people. And so what we did with this committee is literally empowered them to make tactical level and operational level decisions about how we handle our data. So they're in charge of things like developing definitions for terms. Um, they're making new codes, approving new codes for reference data, talking about data quality issues, talking about process change and development. You know, how are we using our data every day? And so in this iteration, we've got a really good partnership between this operational level group and our ABC AVP group to formulate strategy and then implement strategy. And by bringing them all together, VP, AVP, et cetera, and the stewards, all of them together across all of these different departments into this 50-person committee, that allows you or enables you to then do what at a maybe higher level? Like, don't tell us. It allows me to take advantage of the knowledge and skills at the appropriate level. In a previous iterations where we just had AVC, AVP level folks taking part in the governance committee, they don't use the data all day. They don't, they're not in the guts of it. They're not in the weeds <laughs> with the data. So they don't know the answers to those questions that come up. So when we're talking about we need a new code for this thing, what should it be? Or do you approve it? Or is this going to cause a problem with anybody? They can't answer those questions. It's not their job to answer those questions. That's the job of the people they hired to run the data. So what we've done is just skip the middleman where that, that kind of work is concerned. And we have said to the people who have that knowledge, this is the decision we want you to make. You tell us if there's a problem with changing things in this way. They do really great with that. That committee is just rocking and rolling. We got all kind of work getting done. And then that frees up the folks on the ABC level to consider things at a more strategic level. So right now, the work that we're engaged in with that group is developing a data strategy for the university. How do we want to improve our data management in the next five years? What changes do we want to see? And they're the ones who do strategic planning. That's their wheelhouse. 
you know, so we can think about that kind of work from a really high level. And then as we get this, the strategy and our goals and objectives, and then we take it down to the data stewards and go, okay, this is the work we have to do. Y'all tell me how we are going to implement it. What kind of resources do we need to pull this together? As we get into actually implementing what we want to do, then the data stewards are the subject matter experts that I'm going to go to actually make things happen. Everything is about data these days. Every decision has to be data-driven, you know, and, and particularly when you're talking about higher education, because there's so much demand on, on educational institutions to prove their worth. And you're in competition for the same populations of students. We have funding from the state that's based on our enrollment numbers. How many students can we get in? Did we meet enrollment? And then can we keep those students? Can we retain them from year to year? And can we graduate them at the end of it? Can we get them through in less than six years? to finish degrees and bring that number up. So for you, getting funding from the state depends on your good management of data and then your good use of data to then present your case. And the quality of the information we provide to our administrators so that they can make decisions. Right, so there's real life, everyday business, and in your case, education decisions that are being made based on the quality and stewardship of the data that you're responsible at your institution. So it's really, really important to get that right. So yes, we're investing a lot of time and energy and person resources in doing this right. And you know, if you talk to other people about data governance, it's really hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter the organization. Anybody you talk to is probably going to tell you that they've tried to do it three or four times before they came up with anything successful. I constantly run into people who are just starting a data governance initiative at their institution. Ours is new. We just implemented this framework last August. So just over a year, we've been working in this framework and it has, we've been successful with it. It's going, it's working. Part of understanding, you know, part of setting up a data strategy is setting up a data governance strategy. So now we're taking these best practices that we started with at this framework and talking to the folks on the committee to say, okay, how can we make this work even better for UNCG? What changes do we need to make to mold it to be UNCG's initiative and not just a set of best practices? Leading up to August of 22, when you implemented this current iteration of your data governance program, were there previous attempts prior to that that didn't work? You know, if you go to any of the webinars on data governance and how to handle it, there are a lot of suggestions about what to do. But for UNCG, a couple of things I think stand out as being really key to success. One of them is the committee framework and that we have put decisions about data at the knowledge level appropriate for them. We're taking advantage of that knowledge where it lives. And I think that is huge. Because previously we were asking our AVC, AVP folks to make decisions about individual data elements. They don't know those. That's not the information they get. They get aggregate reports, <laughs> you know. So we're asking them to do something with, that they're not familiar with, and this is not their knowledge area. So now <laughs> we're putting knowledge where it belongs, and we're using it where it exists. And I think that, is, that has been huge for us in data governance. And the other thing that we're doing is that we have dedicated person resources just for running data governance. So it's me and I have a team of three full-time professionals to keep the initiatives running and to do the work. That's our full-time job is to manage that. Previous iterations of data governance, we have tacked it on to somebody else's already full plate. It's a lot of work. 
UNCG has a lot of data. Just building out a business term glossary is a full-time job, you know, and somebody can't do that and also do another full-time job. So I think those two things have been real keys to UNCG in this particular iteration and why I feel very comfortable with our success going forward. And we're, you know, it's relatively new, but I can see it's working. And I can see people getting involved with it and engaging with it. And they ask questions and can we do this? And what about this? And what do you think about this? And I facilitate conversations between people. So when I get a question, I'm not supposed to be an expert on the data. I have a little bit ahead because I spent so much time in institutional research. So I'm very familiar with our data, but I'm not an expert in it. So when you have a question for data governance about something, I'm going to go pull in a subject matter expert, my data steward in that area. And we'll ask them the question and get the right answer. So I do a lot of putting people together and facilitating conversations about how we manage it and making sure that everybody who needs to have a say in the decision gets to have that say. So we're not forgetting anybody along the way. Well, how are universities, your university, using data to, let's say, improve student outcomes? Their institutional research does a couple of different things with the data. There are straight up aggregate reports that can show you longitudinal trends for enrollment, graduation, retention, just to look at the numbers. Are we up or are we down from where we were the last few years? And are we improving? So that, that helps you to identify, do we have a problem we need to address? Then we have research analytics. Like we have a data scientist who does research projects. Um, he recently completed a research project as Dr. Mark Davenport recently completed a research project to see how many of our undergraduate degree holders go on to the graduate level, not just at UNCG, but at any institution nationwide. Are we preparing undergraduate students for, for the next level of education? You know, and the results show that about 31% of our bachelor's level graduates go on to some sort of graduate program somewhere, and about 16 of those on average complete, 16% of those on average complete their graduate degrees. So we are moving students. We could move more students. Congratulations for all of this. And it's really impressive. And it sounds like you're getting value out of it. The rest of the university is getting value out of it. These individuals are getting value. Really fantastic to hear. What do you think the similarities and differences are between, let's say, doing what you just described in a higher ed space compared to maybe a commercial you know, a for-profit type company or environment. Data is data, no matter where you are. And, you know, we frequently, particularly in my experience with institutional research, you hire a data analyst. We don't necessarily care if you have a background in higher education. We just want to know if you have the skills. We can teach you the data. You can learn the data. The more you work with the data, the more you know the data. It's helpful to get a candidate who has some higher ed experience and, and, more specifically that you've worked with the system that we worked with, which is Aleutian Banner. But those things are helpful, but that's not what we're hiring. We're hiring a data analyst. Can you analyze data? Do you have the skills? Okay. Can I give you a data set and you can answer some questions about it? Even if you don't really know the data, you should be able to do perform the operations and get the answers. You can draw additional parallels between higher ed and commercial spaces where commercial organizations have customers. Higher ed has students. Higher ed degrees and certificates can be equated to a commercial product. That's what we're selling. You described your, um, your master's degree and it was like kind of this 
experience like, oh, holy cow, there's all these parallels, these similarities between library science and data management. So tell us again, like, what was your degree, this master's degree? And I want to, this is very intriguing. I want to learn more about these parallels. The degree, and you'll find it, you'll find it pretty similarly named at any school that offers it. It's a master's program in library and information science. What is that the study of? The program trains librarians. Like Dewey Decimal System? Absolutely. There's people behind the counter that you can answer, you know, ask questions of. There's folks walking around shelving books. These are librarians. There's a training program for them. It's library and information science. And almost every library to be a librarian requires that you have this degree. You can work as like a library assistant and you can be a volunteer, but you are not employed really on the same level as somebody who has got the program and has done the training. And they teach you um, how to answer research questions. So you come into the library and you want to, I don't know, learn about turtles and you just don't even know where to start. So if you go to the reference desk and say, hey, I want to write this research paper on turtles and these are the questions that I have about turtles, help me find information. And the reference librarian will go and give you a list of books and references that you can use to develop your research paper. They'll get you started. They may help you develop more questions. You know, if you, I want to learn about turtles, you don't even know what you want to learn about turtles. A reference librarian can talk you through figuring out. I, that's part of the training. They're taught to organize information. So you think about the library and you think about books. But there's a lot of, especially these days, there are a lot more digital resources available in libraries. There's databases, there's journals, there's all kinds of periodicals and things that are not tangible that you have to get on the computer. And librarians are trained how to search, different ways to search, ways to ask questions of a, of a system in order to pull the information that you need, ways to refine the search, ways to drill down to get just the resources that you really need. And then they're taught to build these systems. So you made, a, you made a comment about the Dewey Decimal System. That's metadata. It's an organization system. It's how we code books. And so librarians have developed methods of relating resources online to each other so that you can find them, creating those knowledge graphs and those webs of information resources so that when you click on something, it will lead you to something else and give you more information. That's library science. When I started the program... Just in the intro class to library science, where you just sort of go over the overview of the program and the things that you're going to learn, I was like, this is what we do as data analysts. When somebody comes to institutional research and they have a question they want to answer, they have no idea what data they need. They don't know. They just have a question they need an answer to. They it. just have a question. Right. They might have multiple questions they need answers to. The data analyst then has to have a conversation with the person coming to ask the question to help them refine. What do you really want to know? Because often the question that you're asking on the surface is not really what you want to know. It's just the surface. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's how you could formulate it with the knowledge that you had. So then you take the knowledge of somebody who knows the data and can refine that and offer you suggestions and say, let me take what you've asked me and I'll generate a report on it and hand it to them and go, is this what you wanted? Is this what you wanted, right. And then they're like, no, usually. <laughs> and so, but then we can look at it and say, well, okay, this is what I gave you. So tell me what needs to be different. And now they, then they've got something to look at and something to work with. And so we get down deeper into the question. 
that's reference librarian skills, 100%. Yeah. So now I'm seeing the mind blowing. Oh, there's all these parallels and similarities. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting it now. Thank you. One of, one of the mind blowing things that happened during my first, first semester in the library and information science program is when we sat down and defined the different kind of libraries. You have public libraries, which are, you know, your city municipal supported libraries for your community. You have school libraries, so those are the ones in your um, primary and secondary schools located there, so providing books and resources to students. Then you have academic libraries, which are those that are associated with universities that provide not only the same things that school libraries provide to students, but also things that researchers need to have access to and support for degree programs and classes and things like that. And then you have special libraries. And special libraries are a specific organization that provides very specific information resources to a particular community or organization. So you might in a in a science company, a Syngenta or something like that, they have a library for the corporation that's that provides resources to the people in their organization. Institutional research is the special library for higher education. We provide information resources specific to the institution community. That is the definition of special library. And when that is the first semester that I was in school, I was, <laughs> that hit me and I was like, oh my God, I want to apply library science to institutional research. How do I do it? And at the time, I didn't know about data governance and that that was the way you do it. One of the other things that in the course of learning how to organize information resources, we learned about metadata. So I had an opportunity during my program to learn a lot about metadata, and I focused on classes to, to push me into that because I was thinking to myself, well, digital library work might be something that's up my alley for that. And I had an opportunity in 2021, in the summer of 21, to, to express my interest in being part of a metadata assessment for the university which jumped me out of my data analyst position and into a metadata specialist position that didn't exist before I asked the question. You know, I love accidental careers like this. I, I absolutely love this. Look, somebody asked me, how do you get into data governance? And I'm like, really, I can't tell you. I'm not a good example. <laughs> I have better ideas about that now, but this is what happened to me. So I started doing six months of work as a metadata specialist, and then we had a position turnover, and the vice chancellor came to me and said, I would really like you to lead our data governance program. Is that something you're interested in doing? You know, and I thought about it for a minute because I actually really like data, metadata management and I could be very happy just doing a metadata specialist job forever. And that would just, that would fill all my warm places just right, <laughs> you know? And so I really had to think about that. But, but the idea of using some of the coordination and facilitation skills that I have naturally to the benefit of the university, I thought was probably worth doing. On a much bigger stage with much bigger impact, broader impact. Yeah, which I will tell you was not actually, I mean, that was a reason not to do it. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I, I've always characterized myself as a back office grunt. I just give me something to do in, at the computer in the corner and let me do it. And I'll be good at it and it'll be great. You know, and I used to joke with a manager that, you know, I was content to be the power behind the throne, you know. <laughs> but this put me in a position where I am the face of data governance for UNCG, not only to the institution itself and the folks who are working across campus, but to the system office and to you guys <laughs> you know, and to conferences and things. I'm, I am now in front of everybody talking about data governance. And if I tell you that I don't believe it, 
<laughs> I'm still grappling with where I am in my career because this all happened so fast. Yeah, but look at the energy that you've got here and clearly the expertise and you're just you're you're clearly a, an authority on this subject and well maybe a pioneer in in the approach too. So that I will agree with. Because I've talked to companies who are peddling data catalog software and metadata stuff. And we've looked at their documentation and everything. And I'm like, you're selling a, a system to manage metadata. Why is your metadata so bad? <laughs> you know? And I talk to people all the time. They're talking about meta metadata development and management and things like that. And I'm like, why wouldn't you hire a librarian for this? Are you hiring other librarians to do this role? Like, like how... Should should we all, should us data governance people out there should we be looking at the, in in the universities? Well, I don't know if just universities. Uh, one of my folks came from one of my folks came from a school library. So what you should look for is somebody who has an MLIS and who has experience with metadata. Somebody who's done digital library work. Organizing a um, data catalog is the same work. You're just instead of dealing with photographs, you're dealing with reports and data sources. Here's what you've done, though. You've connected that skill set and work to the knowledge and awareness and connection to the rest of the business or the organization, let's say, right? So that's, I don't know, people skills, soft skills, in addition to the science skills, the library and information science skills, right? So you're when you're interviewing people for that kind of position, tell me what you're looking for. In the interviews that I had, I'm looking for experience with metadata. So people doing data cataloging, digital library work, things like that. That is the first and foremost skill that I'm looking at. But I know that if you have an MLIS, you have had training in it. So even if you don't have a job that that's what you're doing, you still know about it and you know how to do it because you have to understand metadata in order to operate in a library. I mean, how do you find the books? You need to know the metadata. And a librarian who knows their metadata can go straight to the shelf and pull the book right off. Out of the three that, you, that you've hired into this role, how, how has that gone? My staff member who came on first was really concerned that she didn't know data and that she didn't have any data skills. And I said, that's okay. <laughs> I said, you can learn that. That's, I can teach you that. Not a problem. And she still occasionally feels a little bit of, of lack of confidence where that stuff is concerned. But the first thing I asked her to do when she came in is I said, I need you to talk to this person over in IR and develop a report schema. I need a metadata schema. You do this for digital libraries all day long. I, you showed me in your interview, you have three that you developed yourself in the last like three years. Go build me a schema. She did. And how'd that go? It works great. <laughs> <laughs> She's created a controlled vocabulary. She's, you know, we've got the metadata schema. We started with Dublin Core, which is always a good place to start when you're talking about metadata and and built out from there. And yes, we're an institution, an educational institution. And we're applying metadata to something that these metadata schemas weren't really built for. There aren't data management metadata schemas out there to fall on. And this means that all the information in our report catalog is standard. You will always find these elements. We will always strive to complete these. And all of this information will be available to you. You know, and the one weakness where librarians are concerned is that they don't have technical backgrounds most of the time. It's rare that you find a librarian who is also a skilled programmer, you know, and could use SQL or SAS or anything like that to do data analysis. And, and that's a skill where librarians are concerned if you're looking to jump into data management. That's a skill I might develop so that you can have that in your hip pocket when you go into that position. Because 
a lot of data management is understanding, you know, learning the data and understanding how it's used and why it's used. And sometimes you have to look at the data to do that. So having a little bit of development skill allows you to query the data. Uh, if nothing else, it's going to help. It's going to help you ask better questions of of your stakeholders. You learn your collection the same way you learn it in the library, that you know what books you have and what shelves they live on. You learn your data collection. Oh, we just finished our collection management policy. Essentially, it's the same tool that libraries use to outline their collection. These are the things we include in our collection. These are the things we don't include in our collection. And here's why. Here's the criteria that we're looking for. And this is how we're going to manage it. So that tells the campus community what they can expect to find in our data catalog. And that's a tool that I don't think I've heard anybody talk about in terms of metadata management, of using that, to be able to tell people this is what the catalog is made of. I hate to think about it this way, but there are a lot of burned out librarians out there looking for something else. So if you want to get them, now's the time. <laughs> Wow, that was some of the most enthusiasm around data governance that I've seen out there. Congrats, Alice and UNC Greensboro. First, those committees throughout the org, that's kind of what I'm talking about throughout the business. They're key to making data governance successful. It's they, right? Those people in those committees, they care about getting value from data. They're willing to put in their time to drive great outcomes. You know, and I'm going to get back to those outcomes in a minute. And how about that library and information science master's degree, right? It's, it's all about metadata, classifying, organizing, categorizing data. I was admittedly pretty unaware of this. And now after this conversation with Alice, I just keep thinking about it. And the more I do, it's the perfect educational and professional background to include in a data governance team. So, so all you hiring managers out there, we, we have this talent source that maybe we've overlooked and applying these disciplines and skills to a data governance program really can make it easier to get value from your data. Check it out. Speaking of value, it's great to see how higher education takes data seriously and makes tremendous use of their data for pretty important reasons. Sure, any, any given school is going to be in competition for students and often public funding is you know, going to depend on enrollment data. But all of this attention to detail helps with outcomes for students. Graduation rates, of course, but also trying to identify, let's say, what might be the causes behind lower grades, and then it can trigger intervention actions. Think about the power of data here. This is really the epitome of data-driven decisions, driving actions based on data insights. That's what we're all here for, right? All of this, in their case, benefits both students and schools. Wow, you know, it's these kinds of win-win data stories that keep me really excited about being in the data and analytics world, and I hope you think so too. For Calibra, this is The Data Download. I'm your host, Jay Millicher, and I'll see you next time. Want even more insight into managing your data? Visit Calibra.com slash podcast for additional resources on the topics covered in our show. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. And a five-star review certainly doesn't hurt our chances with the algorithm. It's all about the algorithm, isn't it, folks? It's a great way to help us reach new listeners, and we truly do appreciate your support. 
The Data Download is a production of Calibra in collaboration with Stories Bureau.